All right, greetings and welcome to another episode of the Liberated Mind Show. I'm Kay. I'm here along with Jay, and today we'll be speaking on Black economics and generational wealth. This is episode 18. James, take it away from here. All right, before we uh, jump into the topic, uh, we're going to promote a Black business, uh, Style and Glaze. It's an all-natural lip gloss company. And they believe that quality should never be compromised. Um, their mission is to not only make you feel beautiful on the outside, but on the inside as well. Their all-natural handmade lip products will leave your lips nourished and moisturized and also shimmering. They bring you style with just the right amount of glaze and are committed to being the only place that you come to for all your beauty needs. So stay beautiful. To get a touch of style with just the right amount of glaze, check out styleinglaze.com. That's style, the letter N, glaze.com. All right, so now let's jump into the topic. Um, the first question is, with the fact that the black dollar on average stays in the community for only six hours, how can we change the mentality of our brothers and sisters who see lesser value in black businesses and black products? I think we need to shed that myth of um, an inferior quality when it comes, because I, I know that's something that, that it, it's not necessarily said, but it's always assumed that, hey, I'm going to go with this, this company because I already know um, – I'm already familiar with this brand and I believe that this is the best brand out there. So to us, I think people go ahead and assume that you're, you're dealing with an inferior quality because it's not necessarily a known brand if it's um, coming for someone within the community. So that, that may be one. I think another issue is um, pricing. I think pricing, it plays a big part. Um, there are instances where the prices of any small business, not just uh, Black-owned business, is going to be higher than those of a conglomerate. And that's due to supply. I mean, you have, to, you have to stock up, and it depends on what your stock is. But at the same time, the loans that are involved with us, we pay higher interest on the loans, so we have to drawing revenue in order to pay back those loans. So I think those are like the main things associated with, um, with our businesses and um, the way some people look at them and they dismiss, you know, black owned businesses because I think of those two main factors there. What's your take on that? Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Yeah, with that, it's like, I mean, to, to add on what you said, it is that um, perception is reality thing where people will perceive that a company that you see on TV, they, their product quality is automatically better. And we've seen in many instances that that's not even true. There's been plenty of recalls from these big conglomerates, big, big companies, but multi-billion dollar companies, they have recalls on their products. So if that can happen with these big companies, 
why not support a black owned business or a smaller bit small business that could provide you with potentially a higher quality more homegrown product that may have a lesser uh potential of being recalled on a mass level like we've seen and not only that like we gotta um break that cycle of just viewing things i've said this on shows before like oh somebody's ice is colder you know what i'm saying like it's not it's not true ice is ice it may be shaped differently but it serves the same purpose so if you're gonna get ice from from this big company why not change it up and get it from a black owned business that's actually keeping the money you know rotating in our in our community because there's other groups where they keep the dollar rotating in their community for days. Six hours is nothing. That's almost like soon as we soon as we get money, we we give it back. Right. That that is exactly what it is. It's um. I've already planned this money prior to even getting this money, and you go out and you throwing it outside the community. But I mean, in prior shows, I mentioned um, as well, we can't fall under that illusion of I'm spending my money at a Black-owned business, therefore I'm keeping it within the community. Because that may not necessarily be the case because if that business is not spending within the community, then you're not keeping that, that money's not circulating. That's it may circulate for seven hours at that point. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you also need true. to know what part does this business play, you know, within the community? Mm -hmm. Who else are they supporting? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, that's something you have to be cognizant of. And I just think, um, yeah, like you said, six hours is shameful because after us, with the six hours, I'm pretty sure we're, we're number one in that least amount of time spent within the community. I'd like to know who's number two on that list and at what hours, if not days, is probably at. Because I'm wondering what the jump is from six hours to the to the next shortest. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> just, yeah. just out of I'm, curiosity, because no, are, are we really that? Right. I just I'm just wanting to see: Are we really? Is are we that bad with money when it comes to spending within our community, or are we headed in the right direction? Meaning, okay, we're not alone. There's somebody else struggling with this, but we're not far off from them. So we can look at this as a glass half full situation. That's yeah. just my other concern. I think. Um that comes down to social social like conditioning too because people don't i'm not gonna say everybody but a lot of people don't see the value in investing or you know building that wealth for the next generation a lot of people they just want to um get material things that can be showcased right now and be a walking billboard 
for for a billionaire. Exactly. Free advertising. Um, I found the answer too. Um, wow, it stays six hours in the black community. The next I see on the list is 19 days in the Jewish community and 28 days in the Asian community. Wow. Uh, so it's not mentioning the Latino community. I'm, I know that they have a lot of shops within our community because I know normally when we do have these types of lists, that's normally who we're right next to. And 19 days and 28, shoot, we can't even make a 24 hours. So that's it's worse than what I expected. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. crazy. They don't, I don't see, they only have those three communities here. But the fact wow. that it's such a big um, gap like it well, goes from six hours to 19 days. Right. So I have a question. I don't know if you're able to give that answer right away, but can you explain what the significance of that money circulating within the community for six hours versus 19 days? What significance um, it would make what we would see? Basically, something tangible, what would we see? What would be the difference? What good would come out of it if even we went from six hours to maybe seven days? If we went from six hours to seven days, we could develop infrastructure. So we could potentially, in that, in that seven-day period, if we kept the money in the community, we could potentially find ways to invest that money in the community to kind of take ownership of different kind of, you know, it may be just a store or something like that, but something in the community where we can even more so keep the money circulating and further increase the time that that money would keep circulating within the community. Wow. With those other communities, it's like, they they would they have like ownership of different stores, different uh, sectors of business within their community, and not only that, a lot of those communities have their own banks. So right. they're investing their money into their bank and their community, right in their community. They don't have to go anywhere else, and they and they're giving that that bank is then giving loans out to the people in the community, allowing more business to open and allow more money to come into that bank. So the bank is the, the central theme in that mm -hmm. community and it's helping to keep that dollar circulating even further. In our community, if we could get to seven days, it would start the cycle, but then we would have to stretch it out so we could get that bank that's located in our community where we keep things going. It would be like the sun to our community. Mm -hmm. And everything else would be, you know, just rotating around it. But the money will always go to the bank and then it will come back out to us. I see. Wow. That's so, yeah, that's definitely something people uh, need to be more aware of. And 
So if you more, make a more conscious effort as to doing so. Because one thing that we, that we do notice is that all these people with these businesses that can, or these communities that can keep money within, circulating within their community for these amount of days that you just mentioned, specifically Asians, because within that Asian group comes the uh, people of what we call the Middle East, people who own most of the gas stations within our communities. Mm -hmm. Then you have Chinese food shops, along with the beauty salon shops. Those are the Chinese. That's part of Asia. And, um, yeah, Indian with the convenience shop. So you have all these people who, which is weird. They, they don't set necessarily, I'm not saying that they don't have it, but I'm just saying, just peep this. They don't necessarily set these businesses up in their communities. <clears throat> and that's how they're keeping the money afloat within the community, circulating. No, it's the complete opposite. They put it into your community, my community, our community. And what they do is they extract that money from the community and they put it into theirs. Mm -hmm. So that's the cycle that, that's occurring and has reoccurred for decades at this point. Mm -hmm. um, we might as well say post-civil rights, post segregation because prior i mean post integration because prior to that um integration we had the segregation which we could only depend on us you know what mm -hmm. i mean it was like what they say fugu for us by us yeah so and we saw that that's a good that's a good way to actually see the difference it makes to keep money circulating within your community is to look at prior to integration, just look at businesses. When I'm talking about this, I'm talking about just look at specifically during the segregation era, look at how black businesses were thriving. It's because we supported one another. Now, it may have been by force in a sense of I didn't have other options. But at the same time, it allowed for one to say, hey, I know such and such, go down there. But we still had choices because you didn't necessarily have to be the only supermarket within town. You could still say, oh, I know Mr. Johnson's supermarket is better than, you know, Mr. Mr. Smith's. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, all right, we know that we know the families involved. We knew who we were supporting. And at the same time, during that, there was a thing called credit. People would be like, all right, I'll give you credit for this. And then come back when you get paid. So we had this sense of community to where everyone understood we were all going through something and things may be rough. And I help you out. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Whereas when we're dealing with these other communities, we're dealing with the Asian community, it's get in and get out. Bring your money, get what you want, and get the hell out. That's mm -hmm. the mentality. I'm not saying for all, 
But most of these places, that's what it is. You go into a beauty salon shop. I've had experiences. My wife asked me, hey, before you come home, can you stop such and such? This is back in the day. Because I don't think she even, she's natural now. She don't even entertain those places. But back in the day, can you stop here and get this? I'm like, all right. Stop in there. I go in there. As soon as I walk in, do you need help? Um, I'll let you know if I need help. All right. So then, mind you, it's a sister. It's a sister in there who's asking me this. And they're always young. Mm-hmm. And then the store owner, who happens to be Asian, or who is Asian, doesn't happen to be, he's there by the register looking. And he's giving her the signals to follow you. I've noticed it. And she literally hovers around the store watching my every move. And I'm just like, okay, this is how you conduct business. So you're treating every customer as if they're a criminal, as if they have ill will intent to come in and steal from you. So it's like, all right, did you find what you wanted? Okay, that's all you need? Boom, come to there. And he doesn't hire these people to manage his money Mm. at the register. They never touch the money. He's at the register. Mm -hmm. Let me make sure. Okay, boom. This money legit holds the money up. Boom. Takes the money marker. Okay, this is money. All right, boom. Thank you. Bye. And, And that's the cycle. So it's like you're not even welcomed in there. It's yeah. your money's welcome, but you per se are not welcomed in there. And that feeling alone should make you say, hey, nah, this isn't this isn't what I'm gonna do. I can't support somebody who um treats me like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't understand why that message isn't loud and clear to us. Like, hey, these people aren't interested in necessarily me. It's my money. You see? Mm-hmm. So we need to learn. I have another experience. When I would go to a Chinese restaurant in town, I would just peep how the owners of that Chinese restaurant would interact with um, their white patrons versus me. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, the minute the white patron walks in, there's smiles and giggles and want to start a small conversation. The minute I come in, it's a stern look. What do you want? Tell them what I want, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So it came to the point where one day I was just like, you know what? Let me see if he does that today. Sure enough, he did it today. He did it that day. And I told myself, you know what? When the food was ready, I said, I don't want it. I don't want it no more. He cussed me out, and I said, he said, don't come back. I said, don't have to worry. I, I ain't coming back here. That was my whole point. Because <laughs> right. I said, I've seen how you treat people who don't look like me. And I've noticed it. I've been coming here for a while now because they were new to town. And I said, I've noticed. I said, sometimes I give you the benefit of the doubt because you could have an off day. But I've seen the pattern. And it's a, it's a pattern with you. You follow it every time. A white person comes in here, you can speak with them and you can joke around with them. As soon as somebody who's not white comes in, it's, what do you want? All right. So if I can't trust you to even have a conversation with me and look me in my face, why would I trust what you're cooking for me to put in my body? Yeah. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I I think we need to take these subtle hints. Some of them ain't so, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think we need to just go ahead and say, you know what, enough is enough. And I have other options. 
-hmm. And those options are small businesses, black businesses that I can help because guess what? You help them grow. Eventually, it becomes a, instead of a, a take-in, take-out restaurant, it mm -hmm. becomes a sit-down restaurant. And that offers more jobs to people in the community as well. Exactly. Well, yeah, I know I went on a little tangent there, but. <laughs> no, it's perfect because it segues into the next question. Um, as you've discussed, um, we've allowed people to own stores in our community. And many times they don't respect us and don't do anything for the community. So what will it take to forge our dollars and take ownership of these business businesses in our community? What will it take? Mm -hmm. uh, I, that's what I was just asking. <laughs> I don't, what, what, what will it take? Because like I say, the observations are, are there clearly. We want your money. We don't want you. So, I don't know how much clear. I mean, I've even seen instances where I can't even remember the town, but it was one of those beauty beauty supply stores where literally one of the Asian members was beating the hell out of his sister. I remember that. Yeah. These brothers went out there soon after and said, you're not getting no business today. Mm -hmm. You're getting shut down. Sisters was still walking in that store, cussing the brothers out, talking about get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. So, and it's so like, not to, I'm sorry, not to, not, not to interrupt you. So I guess the better question would be, will it be, will it ever really be possible to take ownership of these businesses? That's a good question. That's a very good question. I, I once had a uh, manager who was in to uh, beauty supplies. He was an um, older African-American guy from Louisiana. And he once told me he was in all the hair products. He gave me the history of it about how Walgreens is one of like the first stores to allow African-American beauty products into their stores. Mm -hmm. So he gave me like the history and breakdown of it. And... He always said, if I decide to open up a store, I'm going to hire an Asian person to sit up there and look like they own the store. Because I have a feeling that if the word gets out that I own the store, my people ain't going to support me. And he's like, I'm going to hire somebody to follow you around the store, like how they do. Because he's like, the funny thing is, if people find out that I own the store and I don't do all those tactics, they're going to come to me and say, they're going to find reasons to not support me. Well, your mm -hmm. prices is too high. That'll be the main one. And when he said that, it really had me thinking. I'm like, nah, this can't be true. But like I said, just that instance where these brothers were standing up for these sisters after they was physically assaulted. And yet sisters would still support that store because that owner of that store was given like a 50% off discount just to lure them back in. Yeah. So it's like, all right, with that knowledge, we need to know that, like we said before, everyone can't be saved. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to put it in a place where people are using their brains because not, not everyone thinks. We don't, we don't think alike. We're not monolithic when it comes to thinking. Mm -hmm. 
So we have to put it in an area where we know the people are, they prioritize us when it comes to um, us pursuing freedom. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, we know this is a town, like they had down there in Tulsa, like this is our main objective here. Because mm -hmm. you just can't put this anywhere. So this mentality is going to have to spread. It just can't be input anywhere because it can fail. It will fail. Mm -hmm. I mean, statistics show that 90% of restaurants fail within the first year. 90%. That's crazy. So, yeah. So it's like, all right, with that knowledge, I know, okay, can I just risk putting that somewhere where people aren't necessarily interested in helping their brother or sister prosper? Or do I want to put that in a known area where I know that dialogue's being spoken and that's the focus of it to where people will support me? And you also, as a business owner, support comes, but criticism comes with it as well. And I think that's another thing. That may be another topic, but we have to also know how to take criticism. Mm -hmm. And we just can't look at it as an attack. Of course, there's going to be some people who are just out there. You can never make happy, but criticism will help build up our businesses better. Healthy criticism. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I feel as though, okay, if we put this in a certain area, we, we, have, we have the tools. Or just an online business. First, start off online. Mm -hmm. Because at least online i'm getting i'm getting business from all over and it's not just based off of my you know local locality right now as far as where i'm at so once i have enough revenue to invest more into my business maybe i'll open up a little store but like i said you want to make sure you open it up in the right place or maybe you <laughs> maybe use that tactic because I actually think that's what's going on down the street for me is there's this um, beauty salon. I know for a fact it's black owned. My wife goes there to support them. She says she went in there one day and she's like, it was this white male at the front talking about, can I help you? And they were talking like they were the owner of the store. And I said, I don't believe it. <laughs> but I said, I think people are using tactics now to where maybe, I said, maybe it was the landlord or something. But I, I just think that, yo, you got a lot of deprogramming when it comes to us. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of deprogramming that needs to be involved. Because I, I do think that there's some people who don't want to see others prosper. So they may throw something out there, but I think people use tactics in order to circumnavigate that. And I believe that's what's happening down the street. But like my uh, former manager was saying, like he literally would do his setup like that, hire somebody from outside the community in order for the community to support him. And I think if you feel that's what's going to work to get you off, to get your business up and running, I, I guess it's a way to go about it. But that, that's sad at the same time. Yeah. It's sad. Very sad reality. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, we've heard of like the the Susu system. Um, how do you think we would go about building that kind of system 
here in the U.S., similar to, you know, African and Caribbean communities where um, they adopt the group savings that allow the community to help one another with our own money? Um, I would say it's, I mean, we have proof that it works, right? Mm. But at the same time, how is it working for those groups of people? It is based off of the, they have a common, a common goal. They're coming from a common place, common culture, which is also saying it's not open to everyone. Mm. So with that being said, it's possible, but you have to set up, you have to have a gatekeeper for it. And <clears throat> I, I don't believe it should just be a free for all because I think that's where a lot of these fall short. It's in theory, everything sounds good and sweet, like boom, boom, boom. This works for these people. Look at how they do it. Let's replicate that. But at the same time, who are you dealing with? Are you dealing with somebody that's a hard worker and isn't going to let one obstacle throw them off? Because I think that's the case. A lot of people, they they hear it and it sounds sweet, but at the same time, there's no legwork put in. It's, yo, I just put money into this and I just got to wait a few weeks for it to come around to me. And that's the end of it. And I've seen it with friends and family to where I've said, you know what, I'm I'm a I'm gonna pull back and I'm gonna just I'm gonna see I'm gonna watch you for a few months. I want to see how you make out because I know that friend or family member. I know how they're serious about it, but it's the other people I don't know. Mm -hmm. And ten times out of ten, I can say the people I've known that have been involved with, I haven't seen it be successful to them. They'll mm -hmm. start like they'll get past that first that we'll call it first round. But anything beyond that, it falls apart. So I feel as though, all right, maybe we need some type of background check, not like it, like how we have like criminal background check. When I mean background check, it's mean, okay, this person, it's almost like how companies do credit checks on people. Mm -hmm. That's how you know if someone's gonna be trustworthy. That's when a company does a, that's another thing. When a company does a uh, credit check on you, all they're saying is, is this person going to give me my money? Are they going to mm -hmm. pay me for what I'm loaning the money for? Mm -hmm. And I think it's necessary for things like this. Is this somebody who, when it comes around to their time, they're going to take the money and run? Or are they going to stay around to help support the other people within this process? So I think there has to be some type of credit check. We'll call it a credit check for the sake mm -hmm. of argument. So we have to have some type of credit check involved. And I think once that's done, then you can be almost in a way reassured that, hey, this will work and it will help better us. Whereas opposed to it's, I've seen the mess on Facebook, man. And I know that's like one of the number one rules is don't be posting about this on social media. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I've seen people go to social media to try and gain people in. So they say, hey, I brought in my X amount of people. All right, let me get that. Some of them start off with 50, some of them up to 500, some of them even higher. But 
They'll say, hey, I brought in my two people. Let me get the 300. Okay. And then from there, those people bring in more people. And then it stops because no one's committed to it. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it, it definitely, it works in other communities and cultures because, like I say, that's another thing. And I've, I've, I've been to meetings where they say, okay, what's your purpose behind this? Is it, hey, I'm trying to get rich or I'm trying to save money? And she basically said, if you give me any of those answers, I don't want you involved with this because they don't have a real goal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just feel as though you have to know why the people are in it because, like we said, with those other people, with those cultures that do that, they all have a common goal. And even within the um, medical field, I've seen it. I've seen it even in IS. When I was in grad school, the Indian community, one guy told me how they do theirs. They'll, say, they'll have one person come here, go through everything, sponsor somebody else and they all get here once that's done they then say hey they start this where they all share money they fund it all through their own bank it's not td down the street it's not pnc bank it's through their own bank so if it's back in india they're getting the money through indian bank they're throwing that money back into the indian bank which is helping them because whatever connections it has here, it helps them get lower loans. And I don't think until, well, if we're looking at that aspect of it, let's say the goal is to get a house. We have to have some type of bank backing us to help us with those lower rates. And um, that's why I feel as though, like I said, I keep repeating myself, but it's a common goal has to be there. Because if we all have that shared goal, then we know how dire this is and what we need to do to make this work. But yeah, that's what they do. Even, even in the form of cheating, they even help each other out. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's kind of, um, supported by a lot of like, even the big wigs in other countries and stuff like that. They do like group cheating methods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. it's crazy but yeah um with the susu i think that in a way that could start off as that centralized bank for the community because if you do get that one person that, that you do the the credit check on and they're like the quote-unquote community treasurer they'll find a bank for example, uh, One United, they put all the money into that bank, let it gain interest and stuff like that. And then it's a process that somebody has to do, let's say if they need like a personal loan or something, it's a, it's a whole process that can be created mm -hmm. to allow it to happen. So the mm -hmm. person wouldn't just be, you know, feel entitled. Like, oh, I'll put into it so I got to get this. No, you got to go through this process. And then we set, like, certain rates and stuff like that. 
So then that money will still be earned the interest, but it's going back into that account. Okay. It's getting paid. So it's like the money is still staying within the community. Mm -hmm. Regardless, because what you're paying it back and it's going directly back into that account, that's also collecting interest. And then it's allowing more people if they need loans or whatever. And then while it's in that bank, because these continuous deposits are coming in, we're getting a favor with the bank. So if we do need uh, mortgages or something like that, boom, we gain, we gain that rapport with that bank to be able to do that. Mm. That's, That's exactly what it's about. And not getting denied. Exactly. Mm. Definitely. But yeah, the segue, Kay, um, I got a question for you. If someone needs a, a place to have a baby shower, where, where do you think they could go? Well, if they're in the uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia area, what do we call it, Delaware Valley area, mm. out there in Berlin, New Jersey, off uh, 130 West Whitehorse Pike, uh, Precious Moments, it's a banquet hall, uh, they cater to all types of events, you just asked specifically about a baby shower, uh, baby showers, plenty of baby showers there, so they have experience with it. They have different packages, so if you wanted to go ahead and not lift a finger, there's a package to where they do the setup, break up, and they break down. So um, I would definitely check them out for a baby shower. Anything from a baby shower to a wedding to just say, uh, hey, I want to rent the hall for a party. And there's plenty of experience within that. And uh, it's a family-owned and operated business, so check them out. Definitely. All right, so let's uh, dive back into the topic. Um, do you believe that it's more beneficial to future generations to go to trade schools and to also be offered financial literacy courses in the community? I, I have um, split feelings on that. Uh, if we're looking at it from a financial aspect, you won't start off in tens of thousands or possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt by going the route of the trade school. Um, there is opportunity within that to become uh, comfortable money-wise and even to eventually own a business. So there, there is a positive to it, most definitely. Um, but I feel it has to be in conjunction with something else. So if someone wants to be a plumber, let's say you want to be a plumber. So you go there, you become a plumber. You need to have something to back it. So I would suggest, even if it's something as, as minimal as an associate's degree in business to go along with it. Because if you're going out to be a plumber, here's the negative side I'm looking at. Most of these, um, most of these trades, they come with unions. Meaning once you finish, you get your certification, you go out there with your license and certification to get a job. Most of these jobs are backed by unions. And with the unions comes gatekeepers. So you could have 
everything going for you. You could score like one of the top top scores on these um on these tests to become certified. But if you have a union out there and we know who's in charge of most of these unions and just out of jealousy is usually how it goes down, it will be difficult for you to find a job to get into anywhere. Whereas if you have that business degree, you can fall back on that and you know what it takes to, hey, go independent without depending on these types of people. So I feel as though, yeah, it's it's a nice thing to have. It's definitely, I would definitely recommend someone have a trade in pocket along with a college education. But I don't feel as though it should just be the only type of um, type of um, skill that you fall back on. Because, like I said, with, you can get, we, we see it even with college degrees. It's difficult to get a job. And yeah, I'm not saying that the college degree makes it um, that much easier, but I'm just saying it does make it to where you have more opportunities. So I believe, yeah, a trade along with a um, college education, it opens up a hell of a lot more doors than just that trade by itself. Mm -hmm. What's your take on it? Um, yeah, I definitely agree that um, with the part about you do need some kind of other education, especially with a business background, because you're going to have to, if you get that trade, it's best to own your own business in that in whatever trade you're going for. And I also believe that financial literacy will also be important to learn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, coupling the, the skills that you gain with the trade with, I think, yeah, I think an associates, like you said, would be good to get like the, the foundation of what you need for to operate a business because mm -hmm. uh, a four-year school, they put a lot of filler mm -hmm. in there. So you'll be taking a lot of courses that you're not really going to need to run your business. But I think at the associates level, I think you'll get the bulk, like the meat and potatoes of what you really need to know to right. operate that business. And then, um, you know, the financial literacy is always crucial because you need to know all about the importance of credit, unfortunately, because that seems to be crucial to life these days. So you gotta learn that. Gotta learn about budgeting your money, uh, you know, balancing the books and everything. That goes along with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But I would, I would lean toward more towards going to the trade school, though. Honestly, just because of the the debt and from personal experiences. Right. Um. Like I said, it's like it's one of those things. I'm like, um, almost like straight down the middle with, because like you said, as as somebody took out a loan for college, it's like, all right, you come out, you don't get paid. If you find something within your field, you don't get paid what you should be getting paid. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, they would say college counts towards experience. Now you come out of college, you'd be like, you, you lack experience. Exactly. So 
you went to school for something. I don't know many people that come out with experience, come out of college with experience, unless you work in, you know, you know, you had to hook up somewhere and you were working as mm -hmm. you were in school. Or you end up going back to school for that degree to keep that job, which some, like I know nursing did that, where mm -hmm. the nurses who didn't have a bachelor's science in nursing had to go back in order to keep their, their job. But um, the, the whole thing with, um, like I say, trade, a trade is, is fine. But like I say, it's like, how far out do you ride that trade with just that trade? And I feel as though it's like more of a, more of a way statistically to say, you see the statistics now, see African-Americans aren't as educated as, and you put the other categories there. Mm. Because if we start preaching trade, 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 and that's the, the new shift, there's always a way to say, okay, well, we don't need this. There's a way that technology can end up taking that skill away. Or it's not even a necessity anymore. It no longer becomes a necessity, mm -hmm. which we've seen, you know, I mean, we're starting to see that even with like uh, jobs that don't require education, like even in the fast food industry to where people were complaining about, hey, I need, I need an increase in wages in order just to get the bare minimums. Oh, well, we'll fix you. We'll put up screens that can now take orders and you can pay the screen. So yeah. technology just killed off a job. Then I've also seen advertisements on Facebook, literally for a burger flipper. Robots that cost like 30k and they know how to flip burgers. Mm -hmm. And how they advertise it was, yeah, it's 30,000 up front, but guess what? Within a year, year and a half, it's paying for itself. So you get enough of these, you don't need staff. They never call out sick. That was one of the things. They never call out sick. That's so crazy. technology is one of the largest job killers. Mm -hmm. um, it's not necessarily education. But like I say, if somebody has a trade, how long does that trade ride out before technology takes that away? And then they have no education to fall back on. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's, that's why I feel that way. No, it's true though. It, it definitely it definitely makes sense. Cause the world I mean the world and society is always evolving. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even even with a traditional college, you could graduate. You could graduate today, and then begin it tomorrow. Everything that you learn is obsolete. Mm -hmm. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, and I'm sure you can attest to this. Like coming out of Temple, I still haven't had a job that went that that goes with my degree. Or any any degree that I got, like mm -hmm. I haven't even. I mean, I've utilized some skills that I picked up, but right. I haven't had a position that actually required the degrees that I have. And and that that's the question I always wonder because the current position that you're in, if the education you went out and acquired is not a required 
you know, it's not a requirement for that position, then what you want to study for, does that mean that there's people in that, in those positions that didn't, that are in there and they're unqualified, but the job didn't require that? Because most people, they say the best training is on job training. You feel me? And I feel as though it definitely, it's a way of gatekeeping. I believe it's definitely, you have to put it down there as a requirement. But like I said, that's one thing where we, where we fall short in is we don't own all these businesses. Therefore, we can't hook each other up. And that's exactly what happens. Even at my current place of employment, I know a couple managers that just off the strength of, oh, this person's father is such and such and works over in that department. They may not meet every requirement on that or very few requirements on that um, job description, but they still get the hookup just off the strength of, hey, I know your, I know your dad. Hook him up with a job. Until we get to that point, we always have to, we have to get the requirements. We have to know all those requirements and more in order to even make that same position, which just requires like um, maybe even like an associate's degree. We, we may have a master's degree working in a, in a position that requires an associate's degree and it's funny, somebody with a high school diploma, I'm sure this sounds familiar, they can come in and they'll get that job that requires a master's degree because they have X amount of years of experience. We see all the games that they play when they want to put who they want in that position. So that's something we always need to be mindful of until we do own these businesses to which we can play the same games. Yeah, that's that shows that... Um you know, the reason why we need to have our own businesses in our community so we can have those advantages. And when we need that hookup, we can hook each other up and, and look out because other groups do the same thing with each other. There's always, always some kind of nepotism or, oh, I've I've known your father for X amount of years or I've known your mother for this amount of years. So I'll give you this job, even though they don't have any other qualifications, but they'll, they'll get hired over somebody that does. Definitely. And I, I mean, while we're on this subject, I mean, nepotism has been around forever. Um, and I'm sure it's occurred even prior to this Trump presidency, but this is the most blatant of it, you know, you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I mean, there was a report out talking about when he wanted to run for president, he actually wanted Ivanka to be his, his VP. Yeah. So this guy, you've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. So this guy this guy's had the hookup from birth to the fact where he hooks up all his family members. I don't even think it matters the type of terms he's on with them all. I just think, okay, I know right now he has his, his sons in positions, his daughter, his, his uh, son-in-law. Mm -hmm. 
who doesn't he have hooked up in this administration and it's it's all fine. All of a sudden, they're not calling it nepotism though. Mm-hmm. This is what I've noticed. But um, this is what they do. And I just say that to say, this goes on even in everyday businesses to where it's all based upon, they want to say it's networking, but it's favor for favor. That's what it all boils down to. Yeah. And it's not until this goes back to the very beginning of our topic, that money starts circulating within the community that we're even able to have the same discussions, you know, as far as why don't you go down to this business because I know this person and they'll hook you up. He owns, he owns the business down the street. Just tell him I sent you and it talk. Not us working for somebody else. And it's, hey, do you know anybody that works there? You guys got a job application over there? You know, like how to talk go. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're actually talking about people who own it. And you know, no matter what you're in at that company, just based off of the fact that, hey, I got the hookup because I know the owner of the place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. let me circulate. Mm. All right. So, the um, final question I have is you know, we are all aware of the extensive generational wealth in this country among whites and that it has deep roots from slavery. Do you think we can shift our collective mindset from living in the now to living for future generations and building legacies? I think that that's a, that's a whole show within itself, bro. <laughs> real, for real. I feel as though um, it's that mindset. It's definitely that mindset. Uh, it's where we need to, All right, quick story. <laughs> I was in a one of these um, Facebook groups, and I think somebody had put up in joking about. We we spoke about this before, but it was someone had put out a shirt, and they were talking about actually trying to find that post to give you the exact wording behind it. Um, one second, find that, but um. Essentially, it was a statement. It was on a T-shirt. It said what it wanted to say. And then it put, I'm not my ancestors. And I said, here we go again. I hate that. Yes. So, you know, me, I put, we aren't our ancestors. They, they put us in a position to be where we are today. Why the slight at them? And... Some people agree with me, and then others are saying, are you thinking too deep? And I think that's a problem with us. That comment right there, you're thinking too deep. So shallow thinking is more acceptable. Or people be like, you don't know how to take a joke. No, there's times to joke, and there's times to be serious. Mm-hmm. And when you're just trying to, I think it was something along the lines of, with this whole Trump, with when he made his comments about stand down and stand by, we are not our ancestors. Something like that is what the shirt was saying. So, all right, you can stand by and stand down, but 
we are not our ancestors, something crazy like that. And I was just like, listen, our ancestors, they put in legwork. That's how we're even at this point. You walking into a situation and benefiting from it doesn't put you in a position to speak negatively about them. So I say all that to say, until we can agree, until we can all agree, which is crazy to me, until we can all agree that, hey, we aren't in a better position, we aren't in the best position we should be at at this stage. And we need to do more in order to, you know, prosper within this country. I think until that's agreed upon, that's the only way we can move forward. Because there are those who say, we're not oppressed. And some people have different definitions of oppressed. Some people may think physically oppressed with restraints, but not seeing systemically oppressed. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like, I believe until we can come to some type of agreement as to that, I, I think it's like, okay, this is the only way we can prosper is if we come together and we focus on not ourselves. I think that's it. We're short-sighted. It's not about us. It's not about my comfortability. It's about my grandkids and my great-grandkids because myself and my kids may not benefit from this right now, but future generations will. It's like that person who starts to let work on building a house. You're going to have to put the blood, sweat, and tears into it. But you want to reassure that, hey, your kids' kids have a roof over their head eventually. Or you know when you're no longer here, they're able to support themselves. So I think once that's done, um, or once that's acknowledged, then we'll be able to move forward. But um, I just want to say something. I hope I'm not going too far off topic, but I know whatever year that was, I know it was like the early 2000s when that movie Barbershop came out. Honestly, that movie Barbershop came out, and Ice Cube, he like one of my favorite, you know, activists slash rappers. Mm-hmm. That 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 movie was him. It was his. He um, there was a scene in there where they started talking about uh, Rosa Parks, and I remember Cedric the Entertainer's character said, "Fuck Rosa Parks." She ain't do shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I remember people found that so hilarious. And then it started gaining momentum. People were like, yeah, she really didn't do nothing. Like these people, all of a sudden, from, like I said, people at the expense of a joke. It, it was supposed to be a joke. A joke I didn't find funny. Mm-hmm. I, I found it to be disrespectful. Yeah. And, right, so people took that to the extent of where they actually believed it. In a sense, like what Kanye West does today, anytime it comes to our, our, our heroes, where it was, Harriet Tubman ain't doing anything. She didn't free black people. All she did was take them up north for other white people. Yeah. And you like belittle the struggle and belittle the efforts that were made. And you just have nothing nothing positive to say about the people that shed blood for you and 
some that died for you. And I just feel as though we're just, like I said, I've said it before in previous shows, we're spoiled. It's like, here you go. All this was dropped in our lap. And now we think everything's all good and we're equal. And hey, if you can't get it together, that's on you. I'm over here. I'm driving my Benz. Everything's great. I'm making a nice six figures today. Okay, so because of you're, you're one in how many that's doing good? Because you're exactly. the only one or one of the first, it doesn't excuse for the rest of us that, that still can't, you know, make it through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I think until our people can just sit back and look. And like I said, with all these subgroups of division, that's where it all comes down to. Once we sit up and say, okay, this is what we are. All right. We are the black race. It stops at that. It does not go into sub subdivisions at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is our goal. Our goal is to gain equality. Therefore, these are the steps that are necessary to reach that goal. And like you say, generational wealth. Generational wealth has been passed on in this country since slavery. All the way, that's Vanguard. Go look at the history of Vanguard to see exactly how it's gotten to this point. And these people, will, will, they will tell you, hey, my family didn't own slaves, this, that, and the third. But guess what? You reap the benefits of it. So um, we need to be, we need to put ourselves in a position to where it's okay. I'm doing this. Even something as basic as a savings account but you need to put some stipulations on it. Because like I said, when something's handed to you, you don't, you don't have respect for it as you should, as if you work for it yourself. And that's one of the biggest things for us. That's why I say we're spoiled. My, I mean, if it were up to me, when we say generational wealth, wealth can come in forms of currency or land or people, like family. I feel as though we could take that as Africans in America. Like I said, my plan has always been buy land. We have trillions of dollars spending power. Buy land over in Africa. If, if one man, Akon, can build a city, what can many do? You know what I mean? Exactly. Start building your own city like they did for Liberia. You see? with the Back to Africa movement, how Liberia was starting. And you start that for people here. And we're going to have a different sense of, of um, thinking. But like I said, yeah, it'll still involve American culture until years shed that. But my point is, it's in a sense to where we all have that same goal in mind. And it's, okay, I want my kids to have something to their name. Mm-hmm. And so forth. And I feel that's the only way that we can really have a sense of pride to where, hey, this is mine. I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's my take on that question. No, I, no I, I agree. But um, I also feel that people need to realize that we all have a purpose. I think a lot of some people don't see the value in themselves. So they don't see the value in themselves. 
they're not even looking beyond themselves to yeah. see like what they can provide for future generations or just or for the community currently they just don't see it so because they don't believe in themselves and they don't want to feed that purpose that we're all given from birth that we had to we just had to find and once we find it we have to live for that purpose some people never find it because they don't know it exists they don't know they don't know the power that we each possess as individuals so if they don't find that purpose it makes it harder for us to unite because our purpose even though it's individual it links us all together right so if we're all linked together and this links on that chain that aren't completely locked in the chain is going to break every time mm -hmm. yeah, i feel that yeah so you know it all goes back to the you know being on one accord and that we if we don't even have enough power to like just you know unify and get beyond the current mindset of being out for yourself <laughs> stuff like that like it's like at this point like you said early in the episode some people are gonna have to get left behind just because they're gonna always be that weak link in the chain mm -hmm. at some point if people some people haven't found their purpose yet and then some people refuse to go towards their purpose so those people that refuse we can't keep pushing them to some because they're going to keep pushing back and drawing us down. And, you know what I'm saying? We can't, we can't bring everybody up to, you know, the higher vibration, higher frequency. Cause it's much easier for them to pull us down than it is for us to pull them up. Definitely. That's how it, it's always easy to destroy. It's easier to destroy than build. Exactly. Yeah, and like we need to build on what our ancestors, you know, laid the foundation on. Because right now mm -hmm. we still laying, I mean, we still standing on that foundation. Right. We need to build the foundation. We need to build from there and build up. And we mm -hmm. have we haven't even started building yet. People think, uh, get a few dollars, and as you get a, a seat at the table, supposedly, that you you doing something. But nah, if it if it's to the point that in twenty twenty, our dollars stay in our community for six hours, which is which is a quarter of a day. Some people sleep longer than that. <laughs> our, our dollar came and stayed in the community for a week you can't even say a day that's what I'm saying like a day a day would be progress right now mm -hmm. and in a day we still couldn't really 
achieve anything, but it'll be progress because we're moving forward. That's the that's the goal. We gotta right. always move forward. But it starts it starts from unity. It starts from being on one page and it starts with that that collective mindset. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. Now, all gotta be on that same page as you've been saying. Um I don't there's there's no shortcut to it. Uh I believe there's many wrong ways as there may be a few right ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's that sacrifice that's going to be involved to where it's not going to be comfortable. But eventually it will be comfortable, but we may never see the comforts of it. And we just need to face that and just get it over with. Because going back to our ancestors, these people were getting locked up left and right. You know what I mean? Yeah. These people during the civil rights era, just if we start from there, because we know there was a lot of work put in even prior to the civil rights era. People were getting arrested. People were getting beaten. Where people want to make jokes about, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm assuming they're saying because they were sitting down, like sit-ins, getting the hell beat out of them. But like I said, there was a strategy behind it. I didn't necessarily agree with that part, mm-hmm. but we saw what the outcome of it was. Exactly. So it served a purpose. It wasn't necessarily just being dormant just for the heck of it. Because guess what? Nowadays, people are dormant. Where they're accepting anything that's on their way with no plan to follow up behind it. It's not let them beat the crap out of you so the world sees what's going on and the world will interject and intervene. Now it's just turn the other cheek because that's what we're supposed to do. Exactly. When they go low, you go high. And that's bullshit. It, it hasn't worked. Mm. So it's like, okay, you're saying you're not your ancestor. Now it's like to the point of trying to be funny because, like I said, if, even if you omit that part, I look at all the legwork that they put in. They had strategy and plans, like you said. They paved that foundation. And right now, you're just standing on a foundation. Mm. You, we've been standing on foundation for almost 50 years now thinking everything's good. Meanwhile, we looking across the street. They got indoor plumbing, roof over their head, and a pool in the backyard. Yeah. And you talking about, well, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. And satisfied with it. That's not it. Yeah, like that's like that's success. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Like I feel like success is or we don't have to feel like moving to the suburbs is the goal. Mm-hmm. I feel like success is where we can have our own business and not be uh, excited to be getting a second job. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Our people be like that. Like they, they got such low, low standards, low goals mm-hmm. that they get excited about stuff like that. That mm-hmm. we shouldn't be getting excited about. Exactly. Those were prime examples. Prime yeah. examples. It, it just don't make no sense to me. Like it's like some things you gotta do. You gotta 
make money because it's bills. The bills don't stop. Mm-hmm. But it's like you can't lose your sense of self along the way. You got to, like I said before, you got to, you got to know your purpose. You got to live in your purpose. You can't be on no, just going along just to get along and just trying to fit in. Like that's, that's not going to do it. You can't be delusional. And I think, I think that's mainly what it is, is delusion. Mm -hmm. And I also feel as though for those food, for those few that do make it through, people like Charles Barkley, out of all of the, out of all the analysts TNT could choose from, NBA analysts more specifically, Charles Barkley deserves to be an analyst based upon what? It's not necessarily the way he articulates things because he's not very articulate. Um, he wasn't, it's a, it's debatable if he's a hall of famer or not, but my point is he wasn't the best basketball player. Mm. It's the fact that they let people through who echo what they want us to hear. And if you listen to the things Charles Barkley says, it is in a line, in alignment with white supremacy. So, like I say, you let those few come through the cracks that you know are in tune with the message you want to put out there. And, hey, you're not oppressed. You can get out and get it. You can go out there and get it. Oh, you're just going to let a few times. My favorite one is when they make the argument of, it's not going to be easy, but there's going to be plenty of times the door shut on you, and you just need to toughen up and get used to it. You should never tell someone they should get used to being abused. Mm. That's essentially what you're saying. Yeah. No, the abuse has to stop. That's what has to happen. So we just can't say, man, you know, it all comes with being black. You know, you have to be the very best, if not. 10 times better than them, etc. Don't you get tired of having to hear that and mm. having not only hearing it, but we know it's true. Don't you get tired of it? Yeah. At one point, do we say, no, enough is enough. You're going to take me because I am the best at this and I don't have to sit up there and outdo everybody who's in that position 10 times just to be at that minimal position. Exactly. It's like, when, when does it come to, a, to an end? Yeah. So yeah, it, it it's all as basic as it sounds. Like you say, it's all about economics. Once we're in that position, ownership makes a big difference. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say, "Hey, I know one thing that used to be big was owning a house versus renting a house." And you would always have a lot of people defend renting well i don't need to own because i want to get up and move around and not necessarily want to be in this area or i don't want to pay a property tax but i used to be naive and ignorant to the fact of everything because if i would have known what i if 
I would have known now what I've known, if I would have known that, like, in my early 20s, I would have definitely purchased a property in my early to mid 20s. Mm-hmm. To the fact where I would have been able to have plenty of equity on that, and it would have been a rental property, or I would have sold it by now. And I'd be better off than I am now. And the fact is, it's because I got caught up in that too. With you don't want to, you don't want to own something at such an early age because what happens when you meet somebody and you want to get married and you want to have kids? You don't necessarily want to be in that. Plus, you'll buy something that's not even the size. Maybe your family will grow beyond that. There were all these things put into my head to where I wasn't thinking from a business perspective or an ownership perspective. It was always that temporary. You know what I mean? And I feel as though, said that financial literacy, just the basic economics, I think that's something that needs to be focused more. Um, our youth need to focus more on that, and we need to be better teachers at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say credit, like we mentioned before, credit is where it begins. So I think once we educate our youth on what credit is, then the discussion can go into ownership. But you can't become an owner if you got jacked up credit. And that's where it all falls apart early for us is we don't see the importance of credit in the United States of America Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a system that was, you know, built here. That's that whole concept was, it's an American thing. You know what I mean? And without that, without the knowledge and the, the basics of just knowing the importance of it, there's no way for an individual to grow in an upward direction. Exactly. No, that's, that's definitely true, man. And, um, you know, I hope, um, that people were paying attention, got some good information out of this episode. Um, this is a very, very, very important topic that we need to talk about more in our community and with, with each other because um, we don't realize how much power is in group economics and generational wealth. Just think about all the big companies that most of those companies are from generational wealth. So, you know, um, I hope y'all enjoyed this discussion. Hope y'all keep the discussion going amongst yourselves. And once again, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Liberated Mind Show. Um, as always, one accord, one love. Peace, we out. Peace.